Thank you, Teddy. Um, sorry, I'm just getting my remote going. Um, there we go. Um, so we're again, we're talking about uh, right and just and fair. We're back in this uh, place of discussing uh, how we can be wise in, in a very complex world. And 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 I want to thank you guys for. Uh, I know I was away last week. I want to thank JB for for stepping in and and. Uh, and uh, into my place. I got to go to, uh, I was speaking at Pioneer Bible Camp, which is a beautiful camp uh, outside Smoky Lake. Uh, it was a great time, but also I got to spend almost an entire week without uh, internet or cell phone access or anything. I was like off the grid for an entire week, and that was probably one of the most healthy things that I've done in a very long time. I should probably... Um, not pay attention to the news anymore because I got back after like not being aware of things for a week and the world had just done fine without me it was without the benefit of my knowledge like no nothing had fallen apart so uh, I should probably spend more time doing that and so I want to thank JB for 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 bringing uh, the word last week and just ta- and especially talking about the the idea that that our battle is not against flesh, flesh and blood, blood against spiritual forces and that's really important as we talk about how to be wise in the face of what we've been talking about over the last little while about trying to be wise in regards to sex and relationships trying to be wise in regards to race and ethnicity and the complexity of that trying to be wise when it comes to power and politics because there's this tendency that we have as we go to these things to 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 think that that we're our battle is against people who disagree with us and 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 in reality our our battle is a spiritual one against forces that divide distract and destroy us and and I want us to be clear that, that, that as we talk about things like, like race and, and, and sexuality and relationships and power and politics and economics, we're dealing with complex issues. It's okay for us to recognize that these are complex issues that don't have nearly as much black and white as we'd like them to have. There are shades of gray. There are nuances. And there's, and there's differing opinions that are equally valid of how to, to deal with some of these things. But I want us to, to understand what our foundations and our boundaries are, especially when, when it comes to talking about the poor. And I'm real, I was really reluctant to... Uh, call this sermon like talking about the poor because the idea of the poor makes it sound like this kind of like a group of people that is not me you know that and I think that that's one of the most negative tendencies that we have to do in our culture is to be like ah well there's I'm solidly middle class and then there's this mass of the poor that are a problem to be solved and then we don't have anything to do with them and um this always refers to other people. But, but what led me to do it is that the Bible has quite a bit to say about the poor. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about people who are in need. And that's the word that it literally uses throughout the Old Testament was to be in need. Uh, and, and, it, and it has quite a bit to say about he, people, how people who are poor ought to be treated. Now, and it's, it, there's a simplicity to this where it's like, oh, we should share. And yes, that is a simple way uh, of doing that. Um, but that doesn't solve all of the problems, and we still deal with the complex issue. There's, and, and, and this complexity became quite clear to me this week where um, we, there's a ch- uh, uh, the, the new liberal government put in a new child benefit plan, which uh, uh, for us, it, it increased our child benefit by like a couple hundred dollars a month, I think. Teddy has the math down to the penny. But, but we just got that this week. And the intention of this was to help 
everybody with children, but also to, to specifically provide more aid to people who are in need. To people, so, so if you make less money, if you have less, then you get more. It's supposed to help uh, the problem of child poverty that we have in this country, which as of five years ago was, was uh, 44,000, uh, something like 440. 440,000 children living in, in poverty in Canada, and, and the government said that's too much. Now, um, one of the problems that we have with this, though, is that, um, that, we fa- that they found, though, in the delivery of this is that it's not going to help a lot of people that uh, need this help for one basic reason. This child benefit is directly tied to your tax return from last year, and I can tell you for certain as someone who worked in the social services field for a while, poor people don't do their tax returns. They just don't. And they're not robbing anyone because they would, have, like, they would be entitled to getting a return, but they don't file taxes because it's paperwork and it's intimidating. So a lot of the people who need this benefit the most aren't going to get it. Right now, I'm not going to be like the conservative party or in the NDP that are using this as an opportunity to hit the liberals about the head because how how could you make such a stupid program? I don't think that that's it. But we got to figure out a way to solve this problem. Somebody tried to solve a problem and they realized that it was more complex than they had. And these are some of the smartest people in the world in, in Canada working on this problem. These are people who do this for a living and they still dealt with the complexity of thoughts and ideas on this issue. So how ought we, as followers of Jesus, as we build the foundation for how we're going to deal with people who are in need, what are the things that we're building off of? And the basic question that I think we need to ask the Bible that, 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 that I think is really important is why are people poor? And this isn't so much for the person who is poor. This is for us. Because the way that we treat and approach people who are in need is directly affected by our understanding of how they got into that situation in the first place. We treat people differently if we feel like they're a deserving poor, somebody who had an unfortunate circumstance, or we treat them differently if we feel like they made a bunch of dumb choices that got them into this position, right? We do that. Whether that's right or not, is, is, is up for debate, and I'll answer that question later. But the basic question that I think we can start with is why are people poor? And, and in all honesty, the Bible doesn't have a ton to say about this, but in our own minds, we go to a whole bunch of reasons that, that like, some of us go to, like, ah, people are sinful. You know, so people are sinful, they make bad choices, and that's why, poor, uh, that's why we have poor people. Poor people get that way because they're not willing to work hard enough uh, to be wealthy. There's another political answer to that question, which is to say, well, we don't have equitable enough distribution. Our distribution models have failed. Our society is tilted in favor of one group of people. Therefore, another group of people are always not going to have enough. And that's why people are poor. We need to fix the societal makeup. And, and what's interesting, and those are the two conventional political answers, right? I gave you the stereotypical conservative answer. Uh, and I gave you the stereotypical, uh, the, the kind of left-wing answer, uh, liberal answer. And what's interesting is what the Bible comes down on. And it does say that the reason why people are poor is because they're lazy. This is in Proverbs. How long will you lie there, sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Next, it gets much more clear in Proverbs 10. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So all of the 
conservative people, uh, pat yourselves on the back, except you're wrong. Because as much as the Bible does say that, 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 that laziness brings poverty, it also says that, like, hey, don't make economic practices. And you've heard me mention these passages before in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Don't make economic practices that oppress the poor. Don't make economic pra- practices that tilt the scales and make it harder for people to get out of that. Uh, so the systems are part of it. And this is what's most important that I think dictates what we feel about the, how we approach the poor. And this is from 1 Samuel 2. This is the song of Hannah. But this is an idea that's repeated over and over again throughout the Bible, even though it's not stated as clearly as this. It says, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and He exalts. So the Bible is also clear that it is the sovereignty of God that, is, that, that exists over our economic circumstances. So wealth and poverty both come from the Lord. That, that God can sometimes bless us with having an abundance of stuff. God can sometimes bless us, and we don't think of it as blessing, but God can sometimes bless us by taking everything away from us and having us be in need. Sometimes God punishes us by removing things from us. Sometimes God causes other things to happen and circumstances to happen, droughts, oppression, societal failure, individual choices. All of these things happen and people are wealthy and people are poor. And all of that is overseen by the might and the knowledge and the wisdom of Almighty God. So this is an interesting tension that the Bible holds in concert. That the circumstances for wealth and the circumstances for poverty are that you have a part to play. People that are lazy are probably not going to be wealthy. It's going to be harder to get what you want. It's going to be harder to... to, and, And people are going to make bad choices. At the same time, the scales can be tilted against people right from the beginning. The scales can be tilted against poor people so that they never have the opportunity to go forward. The Bible is quite clear about that as well. And then over all of this, God is sovereign. And God is saying, okay, sometimes he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. There's all sorts of reasons why people have poverty, and we need to hold all of them in concert, okay? So when we see, sorry, when we see, I should turn off my own phone. Um, when we see someone who is poor, we, ought, we, ought, we need to understand that, yes, this person may have made a litany of bad choices. Yes, this person is probably also dealing with a stacked deck against them. And this person might be dealing with circumstances that we could not imagine that have led them to, have to make choices that we do not understand in order to be in this position of poverty. All of these things can happen. So the Bible says that, that whether rich or poor, all of these things are under control of Almighty God. And the answer to the question that you get from Scripture as to why are people poor is because the world isn't finished yet. We do live in a fallen world. And the world that we're headed to is a world where justice will reign and, and people's self-worth will not be dictated by how much they can accumulate. And there will be no more mourning or crying or death or pain and no one will be needy or in want. There will be no poor in the world to come. But we're not there yet. 
So as we look, as we understand that we are not yet there, this is a reality that we're going to have to deal with. What do we do with the poor? And rather than asking why are people poor, the Bible doesn't really have a ton to say about that. What do we do with the poor? The Bible has massive reams of information about what to do with this. The Bible has a great deal to say about what we ought to do with the poor. And, and we're... Oh, shoot. Um, and we're going to get most of this from Deuteronomy chapter 15. And I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to pick out uh, a couple of points because this is going to... Uh, this is going to affect the way that we we interpret things and yeah so I'm I'm also just stalling while I find it because I thought I had a slide but I'm going to read the the whole chunk and then uh, we'll start to go into it in a little bit so this is uh, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 15 as Moses reads the law of how his people are to set up their society as they go into the promised land as God gives you this land and you become a nation and a people and a society this is how you ought to behave. Um, ba, ba, ba. If any, starting at verse 7, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend to them what they need. Be careful uh, so that you do not show ill toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Then they may appeal to the Lord uh, against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So this is fascinating, okay? So when... You, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, doesn't even ask the question, why are they poor? This is a fascinating thing. When Moses is giving the law, he's like, look, doesn't matter how they got poor. Doesn't mean if they made a bad choice and they made a bad financial decision. Doesn't mean if they had a crop failure. Doesn't, doesn't matter if they had a sickness in the family and someone died unexpectedly and they can't work. Doesn't matter. If anyone is poor, this is a reality that's going to happen. Don't ask the question, how did they get there? That's a later question to ask, but don't, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't start to judge between the virtuous poor and the non-virtuous poor. That's not going to get you what you're looking for. But, okay, so now that we recognize that we have poor people, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. This is fascinating uh, to me because it gives us two things that are both equally important. Hard-hearted and tight-fisted. Uh, it, literally, it means like open. You you, you are to be uh, you are to be uh, not closed-handed. They uh, the so it's uh, and and I think it, this is a really important thing for us to grasp that it's both of these concepts at the same time because you can be hard-hearted and open-handed towards the poor, and we all know what this looks like. We've all been asked for money by someone on the street and just pulled a loony or a toonie out of our pocket and just giving it to them is like, okay, this is my, I'm paying $2 to not have to deal with you. I'm paying a dollar to not have to deal with you anymore. I'm giving you money in order to get you out of my life. That's what it looks like to be hard-hearted and open-handed. I'm going to give you, what do, what do you need? Fine. 
I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And we do this as a as a we do this as a as a society sometimes as well, where it's like, look, I'm gonna here just take this and get away from me. I don't want to deal with this problem. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal. You're 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 outside of my circle of interest and co- and comfort. Please get away, and I will pay you money in order to not have to deal with you. You can be hard hearted and open handed. But you can also be open-hearted and tight-fisted. And this is where it talks about in the, in the book of James where, where the people say, like, you see a man that's, that's hungry and in need, and you say to him, ah, go, God is with you. Go, brother, go and be well-fed, you know? And you don't actually do anything to help him. You don't actually do anything that benefits them in any way. That's what it's like to be open-hearted. Oh, I, I have such an open heart for these things, but, uh, so, um, um, but tight-fisted at the same time. I don't actually want to do anything. This is the attitude of the suburban... Sorry, I'm going to pick on suburban, suburbia a little bit. This is the attitude of the suburban liberal that sees a news report of people living in poverty and says, oh, somebody should do something about that. You're open-hearted, but you're tight Fisted. The challenge is to be both at the same time, Do, to, to be open-hearted and open-handed with people that are different than you, with people that are needy, and to share what you've been given. So do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted, but what do you do instead? Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever you need. Okay, so let's start... We're going to get to the word lend later, okay? But let's start with this with this idea, open-handed and freely. What we're talking about is generosity at that point in time. And what we're recognizing, what the attitude that you need in your heart to be open-handed and freely give is you need to recognize that the God of the universe has given you everything that you had. This is a problem sometimes, and, and I fall into this as well with our with our financial lives and, and the way that we approach what we've got. We think that like, well, I got all of this because I worked very hard and earned it. So I, I if I give to you, then how am I going to have my things, right? What that betrays is that we don't actually trust God to provide for our needs. We don't actually trust that, that God is looking after us. So what we need to be able to do is recognize what we actually need and then to be able to share out of that. To recognize that, like, okay, God is providing for me. I can help God provide for this person because God has given me so much. And if God has given me an abundance, this isn't for me. This is to share with other people. This is really important. Um, we uh, and that generosity come the, that generosity and and freely lending. Uh, uh, I'm going to get to this later, but but remember when Jesus told the the story of the diligent servants, you know, where the where he gives his three servants a certain amount of talents is the is the word, and then and then he goes away, and then he comes back, and he asks them what they did with that. In some ways, our finances are are, are the same way, in that it's just like what it. We've been given these things to use them for God's work in the world. Now, it's okay to, to take care of yourself. It's okay to make sure that your family is not in need or in danger. That's a gift that God has given you. But if we've got an abundance, then, it's, then we should be willing to say, like, okay, I can, I, can, I can give, I can share because of what God has given me. 
these resources that I have, my bank account, my home, all of these things are given to me by God to manage for His good and His glory. Glory. Um, and then it says, and freely lend. Okay, now, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I'm already getting long. And the lending idea, I could spend, I'm fascinated by this, and I could spend like four I could spend like a month talking about that, and I might at another point in time, but I'm not going to to today. But the idea was that you would make a loan to uh, uh, you would make a, a a small loan to a person who was in need, and they would use that to take care of themselves and to take care of their family. And the intention was that they would pay you back quickly and uh, 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 quickly and and that the the interaction would be done and that they were there would they would be self-sustaining in the midst of that um very different kind of lending than we understand when we lend we get money from a big institution that we don't know and then uh we we pay that back over long periods of time uh in the old testament that uh concept is much more akin to what they would have called slavery um that's the probably more accurate. This kind of lending, the closest um, contemporary uh, similarity that we, we would have is, is what, what, what we would call microfinance. It's done much more often in the developing world where, where you'll lend uh, a person $40 to, to buy some flour so they can make some, uh, make some bread, sell that for their family, and then pay you back within the month. Uh, that is, that's much more cl- close. But what's interesting about the lending idea is that this prevents you from doing the, like, here's some money, go away, I don't want to have to deal with you anymore. What the lending does, and the intention of this, is that is that this kind of help binds the one with with more resources to the person that is in need. The intention of this is to say, okay, we're, because it's a lend and not a gift, now you say we're in this thing together. I'm tied to you, and I can't lend you money that's going to cripple you and destroy you and that you're never going to be able to pay me back like all of the credit card companies do, those evil, anyway, that... The, if we think that God's not mad about that, then we're, then we got another thing coming. But the intention is that is that this is going to bind us together. So now that my, if I'm the person with more resources, my success and my long term stability is tied to your success and your long term stability. Rather than you having a problem and me helping you fix it, now we have a problem and we're in this together. That's the intention of it. Uh this eliminates the idea that we have sometimes where we're just going to pay money to the poor and, and make them go away. And that's not in any way right, just, or fair. Okay, and this, so that you do not show ill will to the needy among your fellow Israelites and give you, uh, uh, oh, it talks about, sorry, it talks about the, the Jubilee year. Again, that will be in my month of uh, series about Israelite uh, economics and, uh, and debt and sharing. Um, but this is interesting. So it says don't withhold and be greedy and, but then it says, so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among you, your fellow Israelites, and give you nothing, they may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. This is really interesting. Um, 
because this repeats this echoes an idea that's repeated over and over again throughout scripture this is proverbs 14 whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker but whoever is kind to the needy honors god from proverbs 17 whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished proverbs 21 whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered this is fascinating if we as people with resources do not listen to people in need that counts against us as sin we are breaking god's law if we refuse to share from our resources god is saying that's what i've given them to you for you're in the wrong now. It's a, and this is interesting. So, and not only that, is the way that these are always phrased. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Uh, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will be punished by God. The most important thing about any human is not their economic viability. It's not the amount of money that they have in their bank account. It is the God that made them. We can get fooled in this world to thinking that because we have a lot of money in our accounts or our pockets or we have we're able to like rack up a a large line of credit or we because we have nice clothes it can make us forget that we're in trouble it can make us forget that we're connected to all of these people and it's only the grace of god that keeps us from being in need as well and the problem with this is that we get hard-hearted and tight-fisted and we start to see the poor um as a problem to be solved or a group of other people that are just draining on our collective resources or we start to see the poor as a collective group that is anything else other than our brothers and sisters. People who have been made in the image of God just like us. Who have been who, who are in any every way other than circumstances exactly like we are. And if we do that, if we stop treating people like brothers and sisters, uh, then we are sinning against the God who made them and us, and we are liable for judgment. Now, I thank God that Jesus has provided forgiveness for all sins, including our tendency to lift ourselves above other people because of our economic viability. But we, if we think that the Jesus who provides forgiven, uh, forgiveness for sin isn't furious at our ignorant comfort and disregard for people who are poor, then we got another thing coming. Okay? If anyone thinks that God does not care desperately about how we treat the poor, they're, they're reading a very different Bible than the one that I'm reading. And, the, and, I, and then it says this, then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. And I don't want to get too deep into, into health and wealth, but the reality is, is that going along with that parable told by Jesus, the ter- parable of the managers, the one who manages his resources well is given more resources to use for, God, for, for, the, for the master's good and glory. The one who does not manage their resources well is not given more resources to use for the master's glory. In fact, they're taken away. So it's you can understand that if we're using the resources that God has given us to benefit other people, God looks in that and says, okay, you're managing those well. I can trust you with more. If you're diligent in a little, you will be diligent in a lot. And this is 
Interesting. There will always be poor people in the land. This is uh, not just from Deuteronomy, but, but Jesus quotes this in Matthew 26 when he says, the poor you will always have among you. Therefore, I command you, be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. There will always be poor. And this is a frustrating thing for us to do because we see people in need as a problem that we ought to solve. But when we think that, when that makes us dismayed that there will always be people in need among us, we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Because when we look at issues of rich and poor and economic prosperity and poverty, what we look at most of the time is distribution. And what we're concerned about is how can we make sure that all of the stuff gets distributed amongst the people so that no one will be in need. Who has what? Those people have too much. Those people have not a mu- don't have enough. Strangely, all of us, almost all of us are like, I've got exactly enough. Or I could use a little bit more. Um, but we fall into patterns of thinking like what we really need to fix is to get these people more so that they can have uh so that they can have what we have um and and our economic systems are built to address issues of distribution that is the entire basis of it it's all about who gets what so people that work hard get more people that don't work hard get less that's your basic capitalist principle basic socialist principle is like people can have less and more but everyone should have a base level communism everybody should get exactly the same these are the the economic systems are all used to deal with issues of distribution but the bible does not give a rip about distribution that is the least important thing what the bible is concerned about is not distribution but dignity and we are, when you're concerned about dignity it changes the entire conversation because the question then becomes do, doesn't become do these people have enough the question becomes are we recognizing their humanity Are we dealing with things in such a way that provides for people's needs and allows them to live without fear and hatred and division? Do we see the humanity in every single person? Because if we did, then we would care about their economic needs and their wants. And that is why the Bible is so desperately concerned with making sure that fair wages are paid on time. It's in the Bible consistently. People deserve a fair wage. And if you don't pay a fair and a living wage to your people, then God is going to exercise his judgment upon you. That's why it's so concerned about the justice system being equal, of ensuring that poor people don't have the system already turned against them when they show up asking for, asking for righteousness because, well, this person's got a very expensive lawyer, uh, so obviously they're right, and obviously this person who has a, an overworked public defender, obviously they're wrong. If we think that the, the Bible specifically addresses that issue and we think that God's not upset about that in our society, we're way, way wrong. The, the, the Bible is concerned about wages and justice, uh, and, 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 and it allows that poverty exists. People are going to have less. People are going to have more. That's okay. But what the Bible is concerned with is making sure that poverty is not a prison sentence or, more importantly, a death sentence. And that's what it often is in our world. 
The issue is not in our pockets or in our bank accounts or in our tax programs or in our distribution programs or if the food bank is well-funded enough. Those things are all incredibly important. The issue is actually in our hearts. And do we recognize the dignity of all people? Do we recognize the humanity of all people? Do we recognize that when we see someone who is in need, that this is my brother and I am required to be open-hearted and open-handed towards them, that I need to let them in? And not only that, my success as a human being and as a child of God is directly tied to their flourishing as a human being as well. And that's the challenge. Because what do we do with the poor? We need to recognize our brothers and sisters and help. And the most challenging part of that sentence is not the second one. The most challenging thing that we have in our society is recognizing that all human beings are our brothers and sisters. Because we would not let family members live in some of the conditions that people live in in this world. We would not let family members go through the injustice that some people go through without a fight. So the reason why we're letting unfair wages be paid or not paid, the reason why we're allowing justice systems to exist without regards for for human dignity, the reason why we're allowing these things to happen is because we don't actually think that they're us. And no one that we really care about is affected, so why does it matter? God says it matters because he made them. And if we're truly going to be disciples of Jesus, it is incumbent upon us to recognize that all humans are our brothers and sisters and and deserving of care and dignity. So again, we're left with this issue of being right and just and fair. And the mechanics of this are complex. I can tell you as a frontline social worker, it's very hard to, to do this and there's a part of me that that is like that that looks at people who are eligible for a child tax benefit and didn't do their tax return next year and says like just do your stupid tax return but it also recognizes that that people are geographically far removed that paperwork is incredibly uh, intimidating for a group of people that don't know how to read and maybe that's how we begin to step in adri- and address some of these issues to allow people to have equal access to all of these things and to actually say okay The system is unfair, but I'm going to help you work through that. Or the system is fair, but I'm going to help make up some of the balances. But what we're not allowed to do is ignore it. And I think that that's something that we as an evangelical church, not you guys specifically, but but us as an evangelical church and us have done is that we're just like, let's ignore this. And what our tendency as churches is to be open-hearted, sorry, is to be uh, hard-hearted and open-handed, where what we really want to do is like, you know what, let's give a chunk of our budget to those people, and they'll deal with the poverty. And that's an important and good thing to do, and we should keep doing that, you know, and, and but... But what that doesn't allow us to do is to see the humanity in other people, to recognize that these are our brothers and sisters, and to actually deal with people who are in need, and to make sure that we're ensuring dignity of other people. And i got to be honest with you, I'm not good at this yet. When I walk downtown and I see a panhandler, the first thing I want to do is, like, is, is, is like I, don't, I just don't want to deal with this. And I recognize that. But God wants better. 
and in him we're capable of it. So let's work a little bit harder, be a little bit braver, and trust that God's going to care for us. Let's pray. God, this is, a ma- this is a major and massive challenge for us. We don't like to think about these issues, and the complexity of them makes it hard, and, and, and the difficulty to actually do things that help rather than hurt uh, makes us just want to walk away. But you haven't given us that option. So help us to be open-hearted and open-handed. Help us to be wise and shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves in this world. And help us most of all to recognize the humanity in every single person that we meet, in every story that we hear, that this is our brother or our sister. And how does that change the way that we approach the world in light of that? Allow us to be broken by this. Allow us to be changed by this. And most of all, encourage us that we can move in a different way in light of this. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.